Well, I want to welcome everyone to Legendary the Podcast. Once again, Kevin Jonas Sr., and we are so thankful that you take time to tune in and listen along to us as we talk to exciting and wonderful people. And today we have someone really exciting from currently Nashville, Victoria Shaw. Ah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. I am so excited. Uh, we met through a mutual friend, yep. Leslie DePiro, and uh, her husband, Bob. And she recently started working with us. We just announced it yesterday, I know. as a matter of so fact. So excited. So proud of her. She's my soul sister. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, yeah. we are excited. Uh, I don't know if she told you, but I used to knock on every door on Music Row trying to shop my songs. No, I did not know that. Way back in the day. And what? When, what, what? I was, when? That was uh, late 80s. Wow. So I was one of those guys that would come to town with cassette tapes. And uh, me too. I get it. Yeah. Tape. Please, please listen. And most of them said, we don't receive unsolicited material. Right. Uh, so I had to find ways outside of Nashville and beyond. So the fact that we are now in Nashville and Leslie's working with us on... Full circle there. Full circle, a literal circle. Yes. And I am uh, truly amazed. But it's an honor to have you... <laughs> On our show. Appreciate that. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> so, how long have you been in Nashville? Oh, long, long, long time. And when you were, you know, late '80s, you were talking about, yeah. I was probably passing you on the street with my cassette in my hand, um, just really hunkering down and trying to, uh, to, to, you know, make my way in this place. Although I was still living in New York as well, oh. and I was driving back and forth every six weeks or so because I was playing in um, piano bars, and that's how I made my living. So oh, I great. didn't give that up until literally uh, till I had my first single out because, you know, you needed to I, pay the bills, right? You know, when people ask me, why didn't you just take the plunge and move? Right. It's like, well, I had kids right, right, at a young age. There's no way I could have moved to Nashville and I knew songwriters that had number one hits in the Christian world, especially right. that were painting houses and yes. doing construction. And it's like, I'm a little too practical to give <laughs> up what I do and just take that massive plunge. I think I, for me personally, well, first of all, I adore New York and I still have a place there. But the, the you know, the bar scene was really um, lucrative for me. You know, I mean, it was, I oh, made yeah. a really good living. I enjoyed it and it, it freed up anything I could, I could say, I mean, um, hey, I'm going to take this month off and I'll come back. And they always gave me my gig back, which was nice. So I would drive down to Nashville and hustle and hustle and hustle and network and network and network and demo and write and then go back up to New York and do my thing. And um, I, I really think I'm a better probably writer for it or whatever. However, I think things might have happened faster had I just made that commitment, you know? Well, there is something to be on the ground yes. with my kids right after we landed in Los Angeles. They did something for Disney it that led to off. something yeah. else. It took off a month later. It They went from being dropped by Sony to <laughs> overnight top 10, but after two or three years of struggling. So I get that, but I also appreciate somebody like me that had something going and needed to yes. to juggle the two. Absolutely. And the stories, you know, nobody's story is the same, you know? Right. Whatever. It's an interesting road when you look back and you go, Oh, that's why I did that. That's exactly. why I didn't do that. <laughs> so, so you started in New York. You are from New York. I was born in New York, but raised in Los Angeles, which makes such oh. sense that I'm in country music. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I, it's a perfect segue <laughs> from New York, L.A. You just missed Brazil. Exactly. Um, it's really crazy. I was uh, uh, 
all completely brought up in LA since the time I was five till the time I left there at 18. So those were my formative years. What part of LA? In the valley. The what part it, of the valley? It, uh, I literally went to Encino Elementary. <laughs> oh, you, well, that that's where uh, one of my sons and his wife and oh the really ba- the baby yeah Nick and Priyanka are right there. It's a lovely place. When I was growing up, it it was much more kind of like Nashville. Actually, there yeah. were actually some sheep farm sounds funny and there was just a more of a laid-back thing even though you would go in a coffee shop and you would see maybe a movie star which was wild but it was pretty you know uh it was diverse and it was humble and i don't know i I lived in you know a smaller house but i loved it i i love i didn't love being in the height of hollywood especially the boys were well known so it was kind of insanity and for a while we moved over like bel-air beverly hills area and i was like I'm from a small town in North Carolina. <laughs> I was beyond a fish out of water. Right. I, I did not like it. The buses drove by. I hate, That's invasive, I hate yeah. Paparazzi's chasing the guys down the street. So so that part. But the valley I loved. And we were like in Toluca Lake, which mm-hmm. had Beautiful. a little hometown yes. area and hometown yes. feel, which was awesome. So were you performing there growing up? Um, you know, from the time I was 12, I had a band. And my parents had been in show business, before, you know, but got out when I was like two or three. But they were very understanding that I wanted band practice in the middle of the living room. <laughs> you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't even blink. And I uh, was very, you know, uh, supportive. Um, so my sister had some, who's uh, three years older, she had friends who were musicians. And I kind of got together with them. It's funny, my parents let me do the gigs, but never to go to, like to Waffle House or wherever, you know, to, to, <laughs> to out afterwards, because they were older than me. But we Wait, did you say that as a reference? Because my son's just released a song called Waffle House. You know, I, did, I didn't, but I realized that I, <laughs> maybe that's why I popped in my head. That is so funny because that was, that was where we would stop with them when they first started. But when I was singing in country music clubs in North Carolina... We, we would stop at a Waffle House because it's the only thing open. I was trying to think of the equivalent, uh, you know, to, to make the story like, they wouldn't let me go to, there was a place called Pages, which was a pancake house, but I thought yeah. Waffle House was more of a <laughs> universal perfect. note. No, I appreciate the plug. <laughs> but we played everything. I played uh, high school dances, junior high dances, um, bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, divorce parties, because it was LA. And yep. um, <laughs> big celebrations big for celebrations. divorce. <laughs> we played, I played on the weekends, you know, and, um, and it was great. I loved it. You know, I was a keyboard player and the singer, which is why I can't dance, because I played the dances. You know? That's right. Um, but it was great. And I, I had a great experience doing that and learned a lot. And then uh, at 18, I, I always was intrigued with New York. We'd go to visit family there. And I was just working, um, I moved out of the house, I was living with my sister in Woodland Hills, and I I was working for a magazine, um, not doing anything fancy, but I was working for this magazine, and my sister said, you know, why are you so bummed? I said, I don't know, I just, you know, I'm not really happy, and she goes, where would you want to be right now? Hmm. And I said, I'd like to be in New York, and she said, okay, call right right now, pick up the phone and make a reservation, get a plane ticket to New York for for one month from today. And I did. Wow. I mean, it was amazing. amazing. It was life-changing. Um, I had an aunt there who I didn't really know that well, but she said, come stay with me. And we became super close. Are you Italian? Uh, no, I'm Jewish. Jewish? Mm-hmm. And uh, Kind of the same fam- in New York. Exactly. Family is family is family exactly. and extended family. Exactly. I always say, one is born guilty, one just learns it as they grow <laughs> <laughs> And they all talk with their hands a lot. <laughs> My wife, uh, yeah, Italian background, uh, Mother's name Madonia, but they were like uh, Newburgh Poughkeepsie. There you go. It's just you know it's all very it's, ethnic and very 
family oriented and come stay with me and all that stuff. That's awesome. It was awesome. And I did, I stayed with her for the first year until I could afford to move into the city. But I started um, playing in, uh, I started working at a recording studio. I sent letters out to every place I could find. And I just wanted in. Right. You know, I just didn't care what I just... You went in playing or you went in doing anything? Anything. I, so I said something like, you know, I, I'm here and I, you know, blah, blah, blah. I can, um, I can sweep. I can answer phones. I can sing background vocals. <laughs> I can do whatever. Sweep and yes, at the same time. Exactly. And I also realized this is um, uh, maybe my, I don't know if my dad ever said this, but I watched my dad be creative and hustle in a good way. So I knew that everybody likes free. Yeah. When you offer free, they're going to say yes. And I said, all I need is train fare in from Long Island. So I got a call from this recording studio that said, you know, we, we could use somebody to answer phones and open up in the right. morning. Great. And I made myself so irreplaceable. I organized and I, you know, greeted people and I learned how to do tape copies. And by the end of the month, I said, thank you so much, but I really can't afford to be here. I'm so sorry. And they were like, well, how much do you need? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> if you leave, we're unorganized yeah. again. So they offered me, I don't know what they offer, uh, decent, you know, just a little money. And then the man that owned the studio, one of the men, um, also was a, a host of a, of a open mic night at this place in Midtown. And he said, our piano player just quit. You got to come play. And I was like, I can't play for other people. I can only play for myself. I'll play too nervous. He goes, just, just come. So I went wow. and played, and I'm a good reader. So when they put the sheet music in front of me, I was like, got it. oh, I can do this. And I did that for quite a few years. And then I got hired to play the cocktail hour, and that kind of took off <laughs> in the city. It was funny. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So so you're now playing for an open mic. Yeah. Were you also working in the studio? Did I was you start... working in the studio during the day. Oh, working like playing and Yeah, singing? did you get into the music side of it or the recording side at that point? No, mostly I, uh, well, I, I got to do free demos. So that was good. So it was only for me. Like I didn't, you know, I'm not really a, a studio musician, I don't think. And may, I might have been asked to sing some harmonies sometimes, but it was, a, it was like a 16 track studio. It wasn't a 24 track at the time. So it was more like, you know, local demos, local artists. I met a lot of cool people. And, um, there's so much talent. There's so in much New York talent. And it was so great. diverse. Yeah. I mean, the whole city is, every neighborhood seems, it, especially different. in the 80s, every neighborhood had a different flair. It's true. It's still kind of true, honestly. And uh, But it was a great experience, and I wouldn't trade that for the world because I, I just learned a lot, you know, in yeah. general about business, about doing things. You know, it just it helped. And you were using that time, you were able to do your own demos. Yes. And, and I didn't have to have a day job, you know. I mean, that was amazing. my day job, you know. I didn't have to be a waitress or a bartender or whatever that is. So, I just which kept... is like a rite of passage yes. for anybody that's yes in our world. Funny, I lived with lots of actresses, you know, uh, yeah. up and coming, and I got to kind of peek into their world. And most of my friends are professional, which is great. We all kind of did it, but it was so interesting because I was the only one pursuing music, you know. And yeah. I was, um, I assume, Broadway acting, movies, all those things they were doing. Yeah. So I was the one pursuing like, hey, I found this Nashville. <laughs> I'm going down there and back up and down and back up. So how long were you in New York before and, and making these demos before you said Nashville has a similar vibe? I'd written some songs because I started writing just just for fun. I'd written, you know, I'd been writing since I was 12. Nothing. Right. I didn't think I was gonna be a writer, but it was fun. And I wrote a song and my dad really liked it. And my dad was a character. I loved him dearly, but he was bigger than life. Um, and he was an inventor. He would just try things, you right. know? And um, so also he was just interested and he said, why don't you come back to LA? 
I found some musician. I found a man who knows musicians, mm -hmm. and we'll cut a 45 with that song. And I said, okay. I'm trying to think if that's how it all went. Yes. Yeah, so we so for for anyone y younger that's like listening, a record <laughs> a 45 was an actual <laughs> disc. vinyl disc that we loved. Yes. And sounds amazing still to this day. Yes. And I found a song and wrote a song, you know, for the B side. I didn't know, and he didn't know either, but he happened to have met a really um, legit guy named uh, uh, Jerry, oh my gosh, I can't think of his last name right now, but he was a really real producer and had all these amazing um, uh, musicians who eventually became actually Nashville musicians. Oh, um, great. So we cut these songs, and um, I started going down to Nashville, and he, you know, my dad, he, he wanted me to make, you know, you know, fathers, they, yep. okay, and their daughters, and he really wanted me to do this, and I started to kind of go around, somebody took me around, and um, I started to play publishers, my, my music. Here in yes, Nashville. thinking that they'd give me songs, like I'd get a deal, or they'd give me songs to record, and uh, this one man named Charlie Monk, who just passed away, I loved him so much, he was a publisher, he said, you wrote this song? And I said, yes, and he said, if you ever want to come down here and try it with the big boys, let me know and I'll set you up with some rights. And that wow. was amazing. And at the same trip, somebody who I had made friends with said, you should go to this place called the Bluebird Cafe. They have this thing called the Writers in the Round. It's brand new. You should go. And I went by myself and there was four hit songwriters and I think Paul Davis was one of them. I go crazy. Oh, yeah. I, that is what? my number three song. I love it so much. Of all time. <laughs> It's so funny you called that I out. I love it so much. My number one is Willie, Angels Flying Too Close mm. to the Ground, Desperado, and Then I Go Crazy. That's funny. Well, it's one of the most perfect songs. I love it. Uh, it's perfect. Every, it, second, the, I, I've told people that it was the line in the second verse, you say he satisfies your mind, tells you all of his dreams. I know how much that means to you. That's when I decided I, I needed to write songs and also try to understand what he meant. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. By that. And th yeah, I love, you know, Nashville, even though he's a, he was a pop writer as well, Nashville has that conversational thing, you yeah. know? I love it so much. Anyway, I saw this in the round, and that to me was like a religious experience. It I, was like, it was just. I totally understand. It was, you know, nobody had ever done it before. I, I watched it with my mouth open, and it was like an epiphany. I thought, oh, that's what I have to do. I'm going to become a hit songwriter. And I'm going to get recognized for that. And I'm going to get my record deal for that. Which was so naive in a way, like, you know. <laughs> but thank God I didn't say I was going to be a dancer because I can't dance. <laughs> but I guess I had a knack for this. And I was like, I'm going to buckle down and write hit songs for other people. And I just concentrated on that. And that changed my whole world. I, it's, it's hard to describe for people the magic of a writer's round. Yes. It's magic. Especially when... You, you have those guys that have just done it, and they tell the stories behind the songs that you know so well. Uh, we were at a round during uh, the recent Tin Pan, mm -hmm. and as they were singing, and it was Bob DePiro who was up there, and he went in to get me to the church on Cumberland Road, and then another guy brings up, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. And my wife leans forward, and she said, you really love this, don't you? And it was like... <laughs> down to the depths <laughs> she probably saw it in your face of my soul like i was having the time of my life forget that leslie is married to him it was more <laughs> like oh my god this is the birth i still feel that way you know i feel that way when i go to a concert mm -hmm. and i feel that way when i see 
when I'm in a round with people I admire, you know, yeah. I'm just like, oh, that's so good. That's so good. You know, <laughs> I love it. And you can admire it. Oh, but I think people it. who stay healthy in this business look at the people who achieve and they're not jealous. They admire. They're not jealous. They go, well, somebody did something. right." Absolutely. I, I can't. Uh, yeah. The whole jealous thing. I have no interest in. I used to think. And also I read that, you know, anything bad you think is karmically bad for you. You know what right. I mean? So if you wish bad on them, it's going to only bounce to you. So I used to live, I used to rent um, part uh, a house in, Na in East Nashville with a, a up-and-coming songwriter named Jess Leary. Even though I had my place in New York, it was cheaper than living in the Shoney Hotel that I used to do. So it was like $200 <laughs> a month or something to keep right. a, half a house here. So we were both aspiring songwriters and I told her, listen, I read, you can't think negative thoughts when somebody gets something we don't have. So every time, if that happens, we had this little ritual. I'd come into the house and I'd go, did you hear that, you know, whatever, Joe Smith just got a publishing deal? And then whoever told the thing, the other person would go, good for him. I'm so happy for him. <laughs> that was our ritual. I'm so happy for him. And I, in my head, thought, it just makes me closer to the bat. Yeah. I'm next. I'm closer to the. That's my turn. That's actually incredible. L.A.'s not like that. I, L.A. Yeah. doesn't have that same um, supportive push. Right. Like uh, friendly competition. Friendly competition. Yeah. It's okay. It's, it, I've, I've kind of said in my life, like, I, I can take the, it, that you beat me. That you get there before me. I just don't want you to out hustle me. Oh, interesting. Yeah, don't you know, work harder. Yeah. Yeah, I want to work harder and I want to push. I want my stuff to be great. But that's also for me. That's not necessarily so that other people even recognize it, but to cultivate that attitude of good for them. Yeah. And absolutely. not in the southern way of bless no, their no, little heart. No. And I actually, you know, when I hear a song that like blows my mind, I just think that's the caliber of songs I want to be involved with, you know, just, ah, oh, yes, you know, it's a beautiful thing. I love the art of it, and I so appreciate anybody who touches me deeply. I don't, I'm not a crier, but there's a couple of songs that, uh, uh, Lee, Lee Miller, he wrote a song called, um, Then They Do, I think it's called, was Trace, Trace Atkins about, mm. you know, growing up. Yeah. I, it was like, I remember driving and starting to, you know, tear up. That and a, and a, a song called Letter to Me by Brad Paisley. Yeah, I, incredible song. I, I probably yeah. cried three different times listening to those lyrics. I And I love that, you know, it's amazing. I I still love that. The, the recent song was a song called Ceilings, which is blown up on TikTok, but it was just this acoustic-based song, string quartet, in the middle of New Music Friday, which is pop and right, R&B right. and all the rest. And I'm just listening because I'm in this business and I'm driving a long distance. Song captured me. I went back. Song captured me. I went back. I finished up the entire New Music Friday, like 70 songs, whatever it is. Went back, found the girl, looked her up. Who was it? Um, McAlpine. Lizzie huh. McAlpine. Huh. New. And, of course, it's blown up. And by the time I discovered it, I think there was 100 million right. already. Because of TikTok, it's a trend about coming home. But it literally arrested me. Like how beautiful! That's and lovely. and I still love those moments. You know, my kids have a song on the upcoming record called "Little Bird." I can't probably can't even it. talk about it about I, their daughters, and uh, so incredibly 
special. I can't wait to hear it. Can I make a, a, a correction? The song that Lee Miller did was You're Gonna Miss This. That was the Trey oh, Sackin song. Yeah. That's the one. Great, that great song. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. When, when the, so, you know, you said you, you looked at, you know, looked her up and everything. I Shazam constantly. So do I. <laughs> I can be in TJ Maxx. I'm like, what is that song? <laughs> yeah. I look weird most of the time. <laughs> I do it a lot. Because I also, that gives you, if, if they're smart, yeah. it gives you like background information. Totally. And l- lyrics and there's website and all sorts <clears throat> Little of Little EP. Love it. Okay. <laughs> and you're, you're looking through everything going, oh, that's where she's from. That's that, that makes sense. And there was an interview with her and she, she was so adorable. I don't know her at all. Right. She was so adorable. She's just like, you know, I, I just wanted my songs to say this. And I'm just really surprised. There are better songs, I think. on So endearing and so a songwriter that, again, I was just captured. And when I would come to town, my wife and I would go, okay, what can we part with? And it would be our couch. Okay. So we would sell a couch. I'd use that to fly here. And I would come to the songwriters conferences. And one of the songwriting conferences, there was a guy that was speaking. And, and I, I realized down the road that the real songwriters and the guys choosing songs probably left town when all the songwriters <laughs> came to town. But the guys that were speaking were great. And he said, don't compare your songs to the people around you. Compare your songs to the people that are winning song of the year. And at that time, it was Paul Overstreet over and over and over yes. and over again. And he was on that run with a guy he used to sing and compete against in North Carolina. Oh, that's funny. Randy Trawick, Randy Travis. Yeah. And so so I was drawn to his lyrics and, and those simple concepts of home and South and family and love and commitment. And I knew there had to be some faith background in there, the spirituality or whatever it was, there was something. But I started comparing my songs without jealousy Right. to the people that were truly great and you moved to a town where it's it's spiritual songwriting it it's is. honored it's sacred yes it's like the last uh frontier you know that is really about the song not about the production not because when you strip away all of that all the drum machines and all of this if you, if it's not a solid song at the core it might be a hit for a minute but it won't be uh, you know played it won't 20 be a classic years. it, it won't. won't be the river <laughs> well thank you <laughs> first time i heard speaking of emotion the yes. first time i heard that song ah, sorry don't want to get emotional oh my god i'm so honored i'm so touched <laughs> sorry thank you oh my the god. first time i heard that song and and i i loved garth brooks love garth brooks the first time i heard that song i'll sell my vessel till the river runs dry i was so moved i couldn't speak for oh, a week wow. And if a few things have done that, that song, Les Mis, you know, on, and, and my son has been a part of yep. it on Broadway, but just the redemption of that, I couldn't talk after. And if you asked me about it, it would be like, well, I, I don't know. Which, I, it, and Les Mis, is it stars or is it the whole track, soundtrack? The entire theme, you know, the, the part that got me was so early on, it was he gets out of prison. And he, he fails, and he should go back to prison. And the priest yes. says to him, I forgive you. Yes, take these. I bought your soul for God. <sighs> oh, I got chills just now. It's true. It's true. I've seen and, that show so many times. And, and I cried yes. until Master of the House, <laughs> and then started crying again <laughs> till the end. And that's what a great moment yeah. and a great song will do. Yes. And your song 
did that for me. And I'm just so grateful that I get to sit in moments like this and talk to people that have impacted my life. You know, talking to a Tony Orlando and he, you know, he sang Tie a Yellow Ribbon and my uncle came back from Vietnam. We had yellow ribbons and he's become a friend. So this exchange, it gives me a chance to say thank you. Someday Paul Davis, you know, uh, I'll be able to like find a way to honor that mm-hmm. or the eagles but it, uh, it really has been great to have cc winans and you know stephen curtis chapman and stephen curtis chapman um used to write for that first publisher that helped me out so he would do my demos for a 100 bucks he would wow. play he would play everything and sing and, and it would be like 100 dollars. <laughs> and 50 plus number ones yes and yes. who knows how many dove awards and grammy yep. awards so he was a talented guy back then but he was just you know hustling like us all you know like we all were well that's what people may not understand which i would love to know your perspective on that when you came down here i had a moment of oh well brent rowan plays guitar better than i'll ever play and susan ashton sang better than i'll ever sing and i started going through and it's like i better get into the music business part of this because these people are unbelievable and they're like driving me to the hotel uh, what was your realization when you realized that just the true caliber of songwriter and talent and lyricist that were here? I was literally delusional and thought, I am absolutely getting my shot. Like, sometimes I think it was either, you know, sheer confidence or absolute stupidity because my story took longer than anybody. Because <laughs> um, because I didn't commit to Nashville, I think it took longer. So, it, you know, it, it was an eight-year process yeah. for me before I could, you know, I couldn't get arrested, you know. Um, but people were nice enough to at least, you know, talk to me or take my meeting or something, but eight years of nothing. And the following, I finally got a a publishing deal uh, by an independent publisher named Gary Morris, who was an an artist at the time. Of course. He was the only one that kind of took a chance on me. Wow. And and the following year, I had three number one songs. It was like God went and go. (laughs) But before that, nothing. That happens it's wild. So many times. In this town, you know, it, it's a little bit of a cliche that it's a 10-year town. I've never heard that. Oh, I, really? No. That's interesting. I, I, I think know. most people should understand that because, you know, at the Bluebird or whatever, people, young people are constantly coming up to me going, you know, I came here two years ago to make it, you know, as a songwriter. I'm going to give it one more year, and if that doesn't work, I'm going to go back to nursing school. I'm going to go back to so-and-so. I always go, if there's an or, an either or, do your or, because people like me, we it was like i'm either going to do this or i'm not going to breathe again right like, I, I had no or yeah yes that's what makes you you know succeed is like but it was 20 years for me yes oh well Bef- b- between even uh, dedicating my life to it dropping out of high school and then first you goal, dropped out of high school i did i took the ged at 16. <laughs> Yeah. Don't listen to this. The yeah. Young people. Do not accept this career choice <laughs> no, advice. No, I, probably, I wouldn't recommend it I today. Either. I would not. But I was, uh, you know, I sang and I got paid and I went, I like this. Exactly. And and I, I, I sometimes joke about it, but it was true. I liked b- being able to sing pro- professionally. I liked alcohol at the time <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And I really liked older women. <laughs> And as a teenage boy, it was like, this jackpot. <laughs> Where can I go that this works? That's really The drama funny. was behind them. That's really The pretense funny. was gone. I love that. And I was like, this works for me. 
because I didn't, I never had a filter or, or tolerance for drama. That's great. No, me neither. <laughs> yeah, but it took 20 years. And then Michael W. Smith took a chance on a song and I ended up with like a, a record on his gold record. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, 20 years later. That, that just shows you it never occurred to you to give up. There was no choice. Right. For, there, there's it's no in your choice blood. for me. It's, it's like a disease in a way. <laughs> I, I, I tried to do country music. I came here, did a country record, never really released it. I had worship stuff out there. Like music was all around me. You know, I, I really do joke that my kids were in my van before I was in their jet. Like they traveled <laughs> they, they the watched world. They you. Yeah. And our group passed them around. Uh, and we did it the hard way. We did it independent. I never had a record label, and I, I had a living in music. So, but I, yeah, I did it the hard way before there were successes. Aren't we lucky though? Because I always feel like I have a lot of that same thing. Is that I, I just always say, but there's cement under us. It's like boy, that's good. You know, there's cement. There's not shaky ground. It's not like we got here and think, oh gosh, what if I get you know, what if I I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't know what. It's like no, no, no. There's yeah. like cement underneath us. Hey Swifties, we've seen the tour, gone to the movies, grabbed Taylor's versions, and even watched a few football games. So, what's next for Taylor Swift? Listen to Taylor Swift Today, the podcast that keeps you up to date with everything Taylor. From fearless to folklore and everything in between, if you can't get enough of Taylor Swift, make Taylor Swift Today a part of your podcast routine. Follow Taylor Swift Today wherever you get your podcasts. Well, there's this old story uh, that this guy heard the Lord say, go out and push that giant boulder. And he went out and pushed, and the next day he did it, and he just was so faithful to do what he thought he heard from the Lord. And he goes out, he pushes, he pushes, he pushes, and it's going nowhere. And after years, he looks up at heaven and said, why did you do this? Why did you have me waste all my time? And the Lord said, look at your arms, they're strong. Look at your legs, they're strong. That's good. This was for you, not the rock. That's good. Yeah. So uh, that, I love that's, that. Yeah, I I've gone through a lot, can- cancer and other things, and this is part of my therapy, is I, I talking to people who have cement under them. <laughs> well, both of us, yes. It's uh, yeah, I, you know, it's an amazing place to be in. It's an amazing um, profession, but I also never forget that it's not. It's not all who I am. It's what was in my heart. And especially as I get older, I think I always knew, you know, like family was going to be the more important, children would be more important. Right. And I never lost that perspective, you know? Not that, I mean, I had nothing else to do career-wise that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But I also have lots of interests and I have lots of friends and I have lots of love in my life. And I always knew to, to balance and if given the choice, you know, I've got to do this for my kids or I got to take that trip. I would be a lot wealthier if I'd taken those trips, you know, all those writing things. But it was like no, no, um, no contest. No know? contest. Yeah. Same. And part of it's because I waited longer. And so I had a lot of life experience and I wasn't missing out on things. So, yeah. so at this point, did you have kids? No, it was yeah. no. And I knew and, that. I knew I didn't want kids till later because I wanted to be Self, selfish and I meant like you know I wanted to concentrate on me and getting there but I knew I wanted kids without a doubt that, that was in my plan right. <laughs> the whole time now I wanted to be a dad no question it came early and then came responsibility and I think that did that it didn't hinder hard. me but yeah. it but it did pause my step towards a place like 
Nashville. Absolutely. I understand. If I would have had kids early, I don't really know what I would have, you know, happened. I think I would have been in the business. I'm not sure I would have been a songwriter. I think I would have pursued, like, I would have been a good publicist or manager. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And that's ultimately where I, I ended up was helping other people, which I, I think more than songwriting. I was the guy that wrote, but knew that I Go Crazy was better. Um, and maybe that's part of, you know, I, I will go into a vocal booth and I sing and I'll go in and with my artist, my go-to line is, well, this is good, but I can do this. Right. That's, that's interesting. You're not really done until you do what we mere mortals can't do. Uh, and boy, well, does that ever pull a great vocal out of a vocalist who's it's able. Great. And I know I'm functional. Right. Right. It, it's, I, I can go in and sing and I, I was a good backup singer, decent singer. But boy, those great voices. And also, I mean, I did get that record deal eventually, but it wasn't meant to be. I had a couple albums out. I got to tour the world. I'm very, very grateful that I can cross that off my list. I got that record deal. But it just didn't sync up. It didn't happen. Uh, it never just didn't happen. But, um, oh, God, you just said something that made me want to say that, is um, some, some mics or microphones love voices. That's I don't true. think I have a voice... I think I'm much better live. I don't think a mic loves my voice, you know? No, I totally, I totally understand that. And I'm, I'm totally honest enough to know that, you know? I've worked with artists that I'm not always impressed with their vocal ability, but man, do they go to a, 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 an actual recording. What we used to say, they tape well. Yes, yeah, and they have that thing. It's that thing. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's undescribable uh, and... You know, that's that's what's exciting, you know? So, fast forward, though. Yes. You come to town. You start writing songs. You end up signing a publishing deal. And then three hits. Yes. Yeah. Right. Within a year. Within a year. It's crazy. What happened? Um, Did you walk in with those or you started? I walked in with The River, funny enough, because that was written right before my publishing deal. But the other two, well... Uh, the first one, I think that year, was a song called Too Busy Being in Love for Doug Stone. And I um, wrote it with a, a guy that I had just started writing with named Gary Burr, who now yeah. I call him my musical spouse. We have had so many recordings together, and he's one of my best friends in the whole world. It's awesome. It was like a, just a beautiful um, platonic love affair that we've had. Well, we always say we're like an old married couple because we fight all the time and we don't have sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but we've had a lot of success together. So That's that, awesome. It was too busy being in love. And then the next one was a song that I wrote um, about this guy that I was dating at the time um, who I, I ended up marrying actually but uh, I wrote it with this new guy I'd never written with named Chuck Cannon who was dating a girl named Laurie White we were you know just all new and we wrote this song and I just thought I mean even though I had nothing at the time I thought this is a fantastic song like this mm. is a, a really important song I showed it to Gary uh, Morris my publisher who was also an artist and he liked it and he said I, I, I want you to change I think you should change this and this whatever it was he goes but it's your song, and if you don't feel strongly, if you don't want to do it, you know, it's your song. And, and even though I had nothing going on, I said, I don't think I want to change anything. Wow. And he said, that's totally fine. I won't cut it because I feel like it, but that's fine. And I don't know. I went, okay. And the plugger ended up pitching that song, <coughs> and a brand new artist named John Michael Montgomery oh my God. 
cut the song and it was his first number one and it won the Academy of Country Music Huge. Song of the Year. I love the way you love me. Um, do I ever love that song? <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, it was it was an interesting lesson. I mean, I'm not cocky. I, I mean, if somebody has something that's valid that I think, yeah, maybe that could be better. But he, I just knew in my gut that song was yeah, done. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that song was done. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, a validating feeling. I, yeah. I love the lyric of that song. But the melody choice, so great Thank you. on that song as well. And I love the range because I, I have a big voice. Yeah, so so somebody that can really hit. Apparently, John Michael Montgomery does not enjoy singing that song every night. <laughs> he, he no, it's a challenge because yeah, it's up there. But he does a great job, yeah. And, and I have to say that melody was co- complete collaboration with Chuck and I. It was really fun. You know, I like to write wow. with people who can do both. Yeah. Yeah. That's why Gary Burr and I have such So a then I assume you got on a run. Um, well, people knew my name, that's for sure. And yeah. that's what made, I think, the record deal happen faster. And then right around the same time I got the record deal, um, I also had another number one with Garth called She's Every Woman. And uh, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say it sucks. It's oh. fun. <laughs> but with Garth, when it was scorched earth. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he just... He could have sneezed and it would have been, you yeah. know, like, out the, like there. Diamond and Beyond. Yeah. So, um, but that was fun. And then I got into making, you know, doing my own album. And I think, you know, I had a Tanya Tucker uh, top 10 or something and had some other cuts, but I was concentrating on my own stuff. Um, although every time I would go out on the road and play fairs and festivals, I'd look to see who I'm playing with and I would arm myself with cassettes and pitch songs. Wow. <laughs> That, that's incredible. <laughs> so I was thinking... Should have been a little bit of a clue. <laughs> that I was a songwriter first. Yeah. And then um, after the second album at Warner's, they actually offered me another one, and I just kind of felt like, hmm. And my father had just passed, and I felt like my life... I just needed to shake up the karma or something. It just didn't feel right. And right. I and I thought, I don't know what you're going to do differently with this album that we couldn't promote the last two. And I wanted to start having kids, so it was perfect to go back to my day job, which was songwriting. And wow. I never had to miss a ballet, you know, uh, a recital, a, you know, a doctor's appointment. It was great, you know. That's awesome. It was awesome. Uh, unlike other places like New York and L.A. where the studio life starts at 10. And couldn't do it. it Even it, back then I couldn't do it. It's a job here. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's sh- like a 10 to 5 job. It's a 10 to 5 job. Yeah. People have a home yes, life. Yes, it's wonderful. And they write quick here, which I know a lot of friends who come in from L.A. at first, they're like, Okay, you guys write way too fast, way too fast. Yeah, they can't, first of all, think that it can be that quality if you're writing that fast. That's right. And the other thing is just, they, 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 their mind, and I keep saying, it's okay, you don't have to write fast. Everybody can write the way they want to. It's just kind of how a lot of speed, but it's okay, nobody's judging you. You know, the end of the day, it's just how the song is, you know, but I know a lot of people get overwhelmed by the speed of which we write. I would be overwhelmed. (laughs) But, but I don't like to walk out of a session without the song completed. Like I, maybe 1% of the time the song's not done and we have to get back together. I, I was like, no, we'll mm. just stay till it's done and then I'm done. Right. You know? Or the magic's just not on that song. Yeah. Or... I'm not a tweaker. I like to complete it and complete it well and then don't change a note. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I'm very, like, if I'm not there at the demo session, it's like, no, no, no. Every single note counts. Don't that, that's change right. a note, you know? But that's also revering the song. Yes. The song is the thing. <laughs> the song is the thing. And it always has been for me. So I, that's, again, I think what I love so much about Nashville. Yeah, it's, it's where the song still, you know, it still means something. It's still, you know, ironic that the songwriters still paid less than anybody. 
It's, you know? it's criminal. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, considering this whole, mu this whole business is based on what we create. Whether know? the artist writes or not, yes. it's unbelievable that many of the greatest hits the world has ever known, the least important person on the totem pole, yep. is that songwriter yeah. or group of songwriters. People don't understand that um, songwriters don't get to negotiate like, oh, Barbara Streisand wants to cut it and... Uh, you know, whatever, you know, Diana Ross wants to, well, who's going to bid it higher? We're not allowed to. It's regulated by the government. We're the only non-government business that's regulated by the government. Wow. It's so weird, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. We we had, so I signed this girl, Terry Jo Box, who, if, I know you, the name. Yes. if you haven't met her, she has two cuts on Laney Wilson's new record. Oh, wow. And Cody Johnson. Wait, uh, did she used to play downtown? She has the Music Row Freak Show. Okay, I've heard her name, yes. And fell in love with her when I visited that round. And <clears throat> she's an amazing writer. Three years, I just said, I'm just going to do it. Let's do this this way. And just invested in it. She wrote this song called God Bless the Boy. Cody Johnson's camp wanted it. We had somebody at Curb that wanted it and I think Jim Ed Norman had already like started the track and then my son Kevin heard it all three wanted that song wow. at the same time but there's no negotiation right it's who, who got it first or it was kind of like well who was first in the picking order and that's actually know. honorable view because there's, well, there's some Sony called stuff. me yeah my son didn't get it <laughs> Cody Johnson got it but it was oh Cody got it yeah interesting what's the right thing who was there first what was communicated who's been who's been the one communicating and that whole system of like a hold on a song yeah well i'll a, have to say that's pretty honorable <coughs> in these days because back in the in the day a hold was really important that meant they're very close to recording it's like engagement song. to yes. wedding nowadays i you know they can put holds on so many songs you know i don't really have a lot of faith in holds to be honest with you so right. it's nice that they honored that you know we, we, I said the last thing I want to do is have the first cut of our publishing company be tainted with yeah. not being honoring. Right. Plus, that's I'm I'm hardwired. Um, yeah, that's the know, way to go. I, and I that's tell good people karma. There, there's a right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's a right. There's a wrong. And if it's in the middle, lean towards what's right. Yes. And and so I don't find a lot that lives in the gray yes. because of that. It, who was here first? How should we do this? Because if you do it the other way, that feeling lingers. You can't relax. Always looking over your shoulder, you right. know? Never feeling uh, like you fully deserved whatever happened to it, even if it becomes a hit. And it's a small town. Yeah, it is a small town. It's a small, big town. Yes. <laughs> and especially the creative community here, because it is such an honoring yeah. place, and it's so much about the song. Word just, gets around. Word gets around. <laughs> and, and it does, I think, everywhere. Yeah. But you've survived here. I survived here. Um, you know, I, I started uh, started to go s get slower when um, I'm trying to think what year it was. I last like you know, I had the um, Ricky Martin and Christina Aguilera did a song of mine called "Nobody Wants to Be Lonely," and that was great. And then after that, Incredible. Things, thank you. And things started slowing down, and I thought, what is happening? I'm not writing less well, but I'm not getting the cuts I used to. And that's when I realized, okay when I'm looking at albums uh, now, reading the credits, a lot of the producers are owning publishers, uh, are the publishers of these writers. So I thought, okay, well, I'm not leaving town. And if they're not going to let me in their reindeer game, I'm going to find my own reindeer yeah. and figure it out. And for some reason, I thought it was going to, in my head, I thought this is going to be a five-year process. 
I, I, I think because somebody told me once publishing companies take about five years to launch or right. to make money. So I thought I have time. And I thought I would look for a male artist because I'd had so many hits with men, you know? And I would look for a male artist to, to, uh, who could sing and write, blah, blah, blah. And lo and behold, funny enough, I, I went to see my friend Linda Davis and her uh, family Christmas show. And I hadn't seen her little girl, Hillary, in a long time, Hillary Scott. And she comes out, she's like 15, 16, 15, I don't know. And she sings, not great, but there's something in her tone that is really magical yeah and i'm like the rca a dog like hmm? you know You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I walk over to her after the show and i go hillary i, I want to work with you and i'm not even sure what i mean by that so why don't you come to my office and let's talk so she you know and her parents really didn't want her in show business she was going to be a beautician i think she wanted to be like you know go into beauty school Right. Um, but her, her parents trusted me, thank God. And, and her mom is yes, quite a singer. Quite a singer. And, but she also is, looks out for her baby, so she knew I was you know, uh, you know, never going to hurt her kid. Um, so she came over to my office, and we started talking, and she sang a little more for me, and I said, I, I would like to develop you. I want to get you a record deal. You're in high school. Don't quit your tennis. Don't, she was managing, co-managing the football team. I go, have your high school experience. We're not in a rush. We'll meet once a week, twice a week. Whenever you can, we're going to meet. And we're gonna, I'm going to start teaching you how to write a song. Wow. And we did that for a couple of years. And during that time, um, I, uh, <laughs> well, the real story is I sent her to, there was a, like a new kind of American Idol TV show that was about to happen. And I, I got her an audition. So I said, they're down at th uh, tw the some 12th and whatever, some, some uh, club. I said, go do this audition. And she went to this audition and she recognized this guy from MySpace who was um, Charles Kelly. Wow. Uh, because she followed his brother, Josh. And they started talking. And he said, yeah, I write. She goes, oh, I write. And he goes, yeah, I have a, a friend, a partner that we write. And she started to get together with them. So she, um, the show, like, I think last, she didn't get on the show, but it lasted one episode anyway. But they started a friendship. And she called me and she goes, I met these guys. And we start to do this kind of fun side thing we're going to do. We're going to do it a side thing. And I thought, why does this make me feel like it's going to be something? And uh, they, I, you, know, uh, you know, they started to play, and I saw them. And she looked really happy and really safe. Hmm. And I just thought, and they called themselves Lady Annabellum, which was a funny, kooky name. I didn't quite get, but I loved their sound. And I just kind of, as I say, made my arms bigger. And the guys started to hang out at the office, and we all wrote together and three years later you know they were playing once a week at third and lindsley and you know when we all knew it was right and ready i called i'd never done this before you know i just called every head of every label and every head of whatever i could and said i've never asked you anything like this come see my band and it's funny because in this town you have a, a showcase and it's thousands of dollars this right. was like just come to their gig they're playing down the right. street they're right didn't, down the street didn't cost me a cent <clears throat> and the room was filled with the right people and, oh, we're in Nashville. You can hear the train. Love it. <laughs> um, the room was filled with the right people. And by the next morning, they had five record deal offers. That's L literally. amazing. Um, from nothing. From nothing. So I got to co-produce their uh, first album and won an a uh, CMA award for uh, I Run To You for production. Um, they went on to other things, you know, tale as old as time. But I'm very, very proud of that whole uh episode <laughs> no you you well look um, my my kids are off to many exciting things i was in the van yeah <laughs> i drove the van yes 
Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. And, and being there for the origin of something. Yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I, I know a lot of my friends who got people deals just got patted on the head and, and said, thank you very much. We'll take it from here. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I'm in this. I'm in this. So when you listen to that first album, you can really, I think, hear a different sound, you know, because that was something that had my blood and sweat and tears on, you know. Yeah. And I'm very proud of their success. And um, congratulations. Oh, thank you. I mean, that's, the, you. you know, that's the birth of one of the great groups out there. Well, and she you. is such a great, great singer, great singer, songwriter. Yeah. Really turned diverse. into a solid, solid songwriter. They all did. Yeah. Um, it was, it was great, you know, and it was um, because I, could, I didn't want to leave town. I had to come up with something. <laughs> and um, I'm now developing uh, a, a new artist that I, uh, I'm so you know, a hundred thousand percent sure he's going to be a superstar. That's great. Um, it's. Do we have time for me to tell the quick story? Oh yeah, okay. of course. Um, so uh, I met this guy. The way it never really works. A friend of mine emailed me from North Carolina and said, "My son goes to school with this guy. He doesn't really know him, but he has a band. And every time we see the band, we think it's really good. Could you talk to him? You get those calls every single yeah. day, right? Every day. And every day, you, if it's a good friend, you go sure, sure, and it's nothing. And <laughs> yes, 99 times yes, out of 100. It's it, 99 times out of 100. So <coughs> this guy, um, his name is Cooper <coughs> Allen, and he was um, interning at, uh, at Coors uh, uh, in New York, funny enough, that summer, and I was in New York. We met. He had started sending me some songs. We met. He, had, he was really sweet, really nice. He had one more year of college. At, he went to UNC, and I said, look, you have one more year of college, so there's nothing I can do with you right. for you right now. You need to finish college. Um, but keep my number, send me songs, and if you're serious and you end up moving to Nashville, let me know, and let's see what we can do. He called me a year later. You know, we kept in touch, but he called me a year later and said, I'm, I'm graduating in four days, and I'll be in Nashville in five. Wow. <laughs> um, and he came to town, and he was already a decent performer. He really was because he had experienced that stuff that you can only get by doing, you know? Yeah. But he wasn't a great songwriter, and I said, "You're, you know, he'll he'll say the hardest school he's ever been to is the Victoria Shaw School of Songwriting." I bet. Um, but I threw him in the room with me and a bunch of heavy hitters, and he picked up on it. And I would explain to him why this works and why that doesn't work, and he ate it up like, you know, just hungry. So the only thing he lacked was social media numbers, because he didn't like it. You know, a lot of guys, especially, you know. And I'd say he had like three, maybe two thousand, three thousand people, and right. I said. You have to help me help you. I can't have more numbers than you. And he's like, oh, do people really care if I have a sandwich? Yes, they do. They do. They do. If I was a kid growing up and Bette Midler had a TikTok or a, well, at the time it was an Instagram, I would want to know what sandwich she's Everything. eating. Every single thing. And I would blow it up to see if she put, you know, what else she put on that sandwich. <laughs> so he's like, oh, okay. And, I, and he would play out. And every night I'd go, just get 10 more followers. <laughs> so uh, cut to the next year or whatever. Um, towards the end, towards right before the pandemic, I'd said, you know, this thing called TikTok. I'm not sure what it is. His girlfriend told him about it. It's like I think it's going to be the next big thing. I'm not really sure. The pandemic hit, and he hates being idle and not working towards his goals. So that made him stuck in the house with his yeah. phone, and he started to kind of study this TikTok and look at it and try a few things and try a few things, and all of a sudden something takes off, and that's fun, I guess, when you wake up and there's oh, a hundred thousand yeah. volts. And now, since the pandemic, he, just TikTok alone, he has 8.2 million. Then, That's awesome. And another 3 million on other things. But, but what was interesting was we were both like, this is really interesting. And we started to release music. 
because you know it's only good if people are going to actually listen to your right. stuff and they jump from social media to over to yeah to commerce what, so all of a sudden it's uh you know we put out some music and it charts you know on the streaming charts and billboard it's got millions of streams i was like okay and then we do the next one it's also doing well and that's when i said if you had a major record label right now a record you would never see this money right you wouldn't see it they would hide it they would take it they would do it. why don't we just form a record label good and, for you and and we did and then the last piece of the puzzle was so are they going to come from tiktok to putting their you know tushes in the seat right and he is selling out now 2000 seat venues awesome. he's he's doing stagecoach next week so my, my son frankie will be there so oh, i will be there oh that's funny well they I'm, gave him like the dj stage that's awesome because he's just starting to release well i'll tell you when uh cooper's playing but Please. his name is cooper allen and he you know he does these tiktoks that are fun and these mashups that are funny but he did it in a smart way because he knows that gets you to look in there and then the next thing is going to be your song and then another song and then a little funny thing and then the song and people are staying for the music it's awesome so. so early on on TikTok, yeah. I had just I was just coming out of cancer, still walking with a cane, still in pretty significant pain. And a friend of mine had introduced me to a dad and these kids and they sing and they're a band and they came to visit me in North Carolina. And I made my way to the back like private dining of the restaurant we have there. And I said, well, look, I, I don't know if I'm ready for this. I'll do a little consulting for you. And then I said, you know, I'll just bite the bullet. I like you guys. Seems like you're, you're incredibly talented, great songwriters, etc. And about three months later, they said, you know, one of our songs doubled in streams this month. Oh, good. <laughs> the next month, our entire history just doubled. Something's going on. It was TikTok. Right. Early love song on TikTok, where it was almost all dances. Mm. This song became like the love theme. I wonder of, what I have to look it up because it's sure. called "Make You Mine." The group is called Public, and it blew up. It has just the main version, five hundred million streams. Holy cow! Today, uh, That's signed amazing. them with a friend of mine, David Massey, when he was still there. Right. Uh, and uh, well, signed them at Island just after David left. But that's they, amazing. They, they then uh, had their moment. And it was the I Love You engagement song. So, so check that out. But the impact of TikTok. I love TikTok. I do. I, I love well, where people are. But I literally use it like Google. Like, I love TikTok. Not only do I discover new music, but the other night I was making dinner for some friends coming over. And I was like, uh, hack for green, bean, green beans. And like all of a sudden a recipe yeah. comes up. I don't even Google things anymore. My wife and her friends are obsessed with TikTok, and it's funny, and it's the clothes, and it's the style. But I've learned so much on that app. I, I love it. Yeah, I get caught in all the like ancient civilizations yes, and yes. conspiracy theories. So, well, I find this. I follow this one girl that lives at the the at this the, the northmost city right before the North Pole, wow. and I am totally fascinated by this city. I might have to go. I just That's, love TikTok. I I love it. <laughs> It's broad culture. I don't know what they're thinking. Of. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're all talking and using our data. Yeah. But it's, yes. it's really powerful. Congratulations on that. Oh, thank you. Yes, it's been a, a really interesting journey. And for me, I know a lot about a lot of things, but he's the expert when it comes to you know, right. social media. So it's a really fun collaboration with him, you know? Well, I tell people all the time, my thing that I go to as a manager, but just in life is like, you know, we'll tickle everything. But when one reacts, 
we'll yeah. double down on it. Yeah. And it might be touring. It might be social media. It, it could be IP. Right. You know, you, you just never know what will give you your moment. But if you double down on that, it, it will elevate Absolutely. everything else. You know, our kids started on MySpace. And then when the label wouldn't do what you expect a label to do, they went to YouTube and started putting these funny short videos up that they were one of the first to survive with social media. It's and really an amazing tool. And I think, you know, I don't know what the significance of major record labels will be. I mean, they're going to have to collaborate a little bit more transparent. And, you know, we're, I'm not against record labels. Maybe eventually we'll license with one or merge with one. I don't know. But... I want them. I want. I don't want to go to a record label going. Please take us. Please help us. I want to come in and go. Here's what we have. Well, you know what'll happen when you do that. Yeah. They'll then come to you and say, "Okay, we need something big. What do you have?" Yes, exactly. Well, if I'm doing that, right? What do I? That's need one of the for? reasons that I'm opening my own shop as well. It's like I'm tired of being the guy that they ask for, like to do the work, contacts <laughs> to do the work to come up with the creative ideas, yeah. and they take all the money. Yes, that's exactly. Amen. <laughs> it's just, I, I get it. Yeah. When there's momentum, they're the best. Right, right. And they're great at it. But but that development is missing. There's a couple of um, labels I'll leave, you know, not mentioned, but I know that just when the TikTok thing kind of blew up, they signed and signed and signed all these TikTok people. And then they put them through the normal machine, which is wait, yeah. wait, get in the queue, start writing, let's see who you're going to be with. And they, all these people lost their audience. Killed the momentum. They killed the momentum and they lost their audience. I feel bad for them. You know, it was like, that was so wrong. You they're know? writing a song. So they're taking the song or the moment that's viral. Right. And they're going to cash out on that, which will probably recoup whatever advance they gave. And a, I, I, one guy who's a marketing guy to major, he told me that only 2% of those that have a viral moment have a successful second single. Oh, that makes sense. So yeah. you're betting on a viral moment, yes, not a career. Exactly. And those of us that care about these kids. Totally. They need a career. Exactly. And the viral moment is just one of many that could come. You know, I, I, looking back over, you know, MySpace to YouTube, our children and their career, there were so many viral moments. But the support behind it was the work you put in to prop that up and keep it steady and keep trying. Uh, there's... There's a uh, John Maxwell teaches on leadership. And he said, if you can't beat them, outlast them. Oh, I love that. <laughs> you know, not join them, outlast them. I love them. that. <laughs> so just outlast. That's funny. And, and that's, you know, they just received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's, you know, they've outlasted a lot of things. That is quite validating right there. You yeah. know, and but it's because, you, you you know, it wasn't a joke. It wasn't a fluke. It was hard work. It was based on cement. Yeah. All of that stuff, you know, and, and obviously they have their head on their shoulders, you know, because they had good parents. Um, with speaking of parents, I think to be a, a great um, mentor guide, uh, you know, help to develop an artist, whether they're with you or, you know, your blood or not. I think there's a for me, I, I don't have any ego involved. Mm -hmm. I wake up every day and think, how do I make Cooper Allen a star? I, I still I perform that. here and there because the money might be good or it's fun. I never think I'm, you know, it's not an ego thing. It's not an ego. It's like, oh, this makes me, you know, grin. But every day I wake up, how do I serve Cooper Allen? Because that's the only way you succeed. It's like getting out of, you know, because if you still think in the back of your head that you're the star, yeah. it never works. Never works. You know? And 
too many record executives think they are the star. Yeah, it's odd. It's odd. Yeah. You're not making music. You know, I had one executive tell me once, and, and tell me as a manager, not as the father, not as, you know, a guy that really loves these artists. He said, ah, we'll be here, Kevin, long after the artist is gone. That's the way you think. Absolutely. Was somebody saying that about Bette Midler? Yeah. Were they saying that about Don Henley? Yeah. No. They were like in it. They were they were religious about it, you know? They, somebody had to be. Yeah. You know what I learned when I was on Warner's was, doesn't matter if my song is number 60 or number one, those guys keep their jobs, the promoters. That's right. Like it didn't matter. They didn't get, you, you know, like it didn't matter. And it was it, sad. You know, it was a startling revelation for somebody, you know? I was like told me. by a record company head that they were told that if our sons received a spin, yeah. they would lose their job. Because they were trying to promote somebody else at the moment? They were trying to promote somebody else and, quite honestly, trying to get rid of somebody that was championing our record. Oh. And it had nothing to do with my sons. Was that a mutual friend of ours? It was a mutual friend of ours <laughs> that I won't get into. But, okay. yes, somebody we both know. Interesting. And wow, so we're out on a radio tour in radio stations with promoters locally that are being told they don't, better not right. get a single spin. Don't, don't so make him look good. Don't make this guy look good. Don't mention them. Wow. I was sitting in one room with a program director at the radio station, and he said, uh, are you going to play these guys for me? Because he was just a nice guy and felt bad that wow. we're in the room doing liners in the other room, and I'm sitting in the office as everybody else is being played. If it's a weird business, and, you know, it, like in any business, I'm sure if we were in the plumbing business, there's the good, the bad, the ugly. Yes. You know, there's good people, there's not such nice people, and, you know. But, you know, I've been fortunate because our mutual friend is, I, yeah. <laughs> the debt I personally feel I owe him is uh, incredible. I mean, he really, if there was a chopping block, he laid his head down That's and really said, lovely. I believe in this. And, and very few people will do that. I've been really fortunate with the people I know in this business. So I'm not bitter. I've been fortunate. And they would not have survived and thrived. And I wouldn't be in the position I'm in had they not been there. Yeah. Including people that dropped my artist. Yep. But but we have friendship. It. I wish we could talk again oh this is so much fun uh, maybe uh, you know i'm hoping to do a round table uh here in town so maybe next time we could do that because you are you you just came up in that list of like uh, you know well, i i've got you. getting to know you here yes i feel like we, we became fast and furious friends. It, it's 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 <laughs> awesome and congratulations well, on you. everything and I, congratulations on coming to town and and just you know making your mark here everybody knows that you guys are here you know i i can't wait to see all the exciting stuff that's going to happen well there's a guy coming to town who has waited a long time to actually be inside the door that i knocked on that's great um and and i have no desire to do anything but honor the song the songwriters and and the people here uh so uh, thank you for making your time thank you for writing the river oh. <laughs> uh, well, and you. and so many other songs but that one in particular just rocked my world at the right time thank and you. did so much for my heart and my spirit and my mind and my relationships uh so uh, all all the thank best you. all the kudos <laughs> you deserve them and uh i'm glad you do have that cement 
underneath you. Well, thank you, and uh, thank you. I've had a blast, and I, I so appreciate the kind words. So let's do it again. Thank you. <laughs> and, and you guys, we love doing this. I love doing this. It's therapy for me. I get to talk to people I admire, but please do follow us. Please do subscribe, share with others. We laugh, sometimes we cry, and we share life stories, and I hope it encourages you. Come back again next week. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.